there's something about human nature that just likes for everybody to be on the same level. Like, I experience this whenever I eat with someone who is, like, super health conscious. And so, you know, we're, like, at Red Robin, and I'm wanting to just enjoy my, my big fat burger and my endless fries, and then they're sitting there eating a salad. And it makes it really hard to enjoy my burger because I feel like, wow, you know, you know, here's somebody like that is exposing my uh, poor health choices. Now, I'm not, you know, that bad in health, but, you know, I just like to be around people who are, are kind of more like me in that. So a couple of weeks ago, I was with a friend and we were having ice cream. And so I, that, this particular friend, I really like having ice cream with because they're not like, okay, get like one little scoop. I mean, they're just like load up the bowl, you know. I like that because that validates where I'm at. See, we kind of like people who are kind of at the, the same level. And so we, we you know, tend to want to either bring people down to where we're at. We, just, we don't like the idea of somebody being higher than we are. And so we do that with people. We also tend to do that with God. Back in the 90s, some of you may remember a, a song that was called One of Us. And some of the lyrics to that song said, what if God was one of us, just a slob? like one of us, just a stranger on the bus trying to make his way home. And the whole point of that song was, what, what if God is just at our level? What if he's kind of just, just like us? And, and so what we've done to a large extent in our world is, is kind of take the godness out of God. And so we've said, there, there isn't a creator. There, there's no one who made everything. We, you and I, and everything that we see around us, everything is a result of some random mutations that somehow randomly mutated all in a positive direction over a long period of time. But there's no one behind that. It, it just happened. There's no morally perfect being in the universe who has the right to, to judge my actions. Therefore, it's okay for me to choose to do what, whatever I want to do. But scripture gives us a very different picture. Scripture says there is a creator who was there at the beginning and he will be the judge at the end because of his moral perfection. And, and actually that reality gives us hope because as we look at the mess that our world is in, the brokenness of our world, it actually gives me hope that there's someone outside of that mess who maybe just can help us. And so what I want to propose to you this morning is that we stop trying to bring God down to our level, see him as he is, and maybe he will lift us up instead of us bringing him down. We're going to see how he does that in Isaiah chapter 6. If you would turn there with me this morning, if you don't have a Bible with you, there's one on a seat near you, and it's on page 635, or you can use your device but I'd like for you to be able to read along with me and know that I'm not making this stuff up. So we're in uh, this series called The Real God. Author A.W. Tozer says, what we think about God is the most important thing about us because we are gonna be drawn to whatever picture we have of who God is. And if he's not high, then if he's somewhere low, then we're being drawn lower than we, we should be. So over the last few weeks, we have been looking at God's goodness. Last week, we looked at his sovereignty, his, his power. And today, we're gonna look at his holiness, which we'll define in, in just a minute. Every now and then, God makes an appearance and so it doesn't happen often in scripture, but every now and then he shows himself, and this is one of those scenes. 
starting in verse one of Isaiah six. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one called to another and said, and I wanna ask you to read this next line, these two lines with me, because we wanna get a sense of how, how powerful this sound was in that vision, okay? So read with me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. And he said, go. All right, so in, in the midst of this scene, this vision of, of God, the, the centerpiece of this is the description that we read together. Holy, holy, holy. That, that word holy means set apart. It means different. It means other than. We, we use the word holy to describe objects that we consider sacred. So on the front of many of your Bibles, it will say what? Holy Bible. Mine doesn't say that on the front because it says it on the title page in here, but it says Holy Bible. Why does it say that? Because this book is different. It is set apart from all the other millions and millions of books in the world. This book is set apart. It is different. It is other than. We call a place in Palestine the Holy Land because it was set apart. God set it apart for his people. That's what that word holy means. And so what we find here in Isaiah 6 is that God is holy, he is other than, but he's not just holy, he is holy, holy, holy. He is other than, other than, other than. So some have seen in this repetition, this threefold repetition, a hint of the Trinity, that God is Father, the Father is holy, the Son is holy, and the Spirit is holy. That, that may be here, that, that would be a hint of the future because we haven't seen all of that until Jesus comes. But I, what we see for sure here in this threefold repetition is that in Hebrew, anytime you have something repeated, it's like you're underlining it. It's to draw attention and emphasis to it. So if something gets repeated once, you pay attention, wow, this is an underline, there's something important here. But when something is repeated three times, that means this is the superlative. This is the pinnacle. So God is holy, that means there is no one beyond him. He is the pinnacle of holiness, he is the pinnacle of set-apartness. And so this scene opens with God's holiness, 
And it closes with a call to Isaiah's holiness, his set-apartness. And there are four, there's four events here, four things that happen in a cycle, kind of a, a, a chain reaction. And so let me just tell you what these are, and then we're going to go back and we're going to unpack them. Because these are the, this is the chain reaction that happens whenever we get a glimpse of God, or this is, this is what we hope will happen when we get a glimpse of God. So the first thing is that we get a glimpse of God's perfect holiness, which exposes our lack of holiness, which opens us to God's provision of holiness, which then equips us to live a life of holiness. So boiling all of that down, we we could say that we are called by by a holy, perfect God and other than God, we are called not to be, we we are called to be other than, not ordinary. God is not an ordinary kind of God. He's not just another run-of-the-mill being. He is completely other than, and he calls us to be other than. So so I want to unpack these four steps. First is that Isaiah gets a glimpse of God's perfect holiness in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Okay, so notice that God is high and lifted up. He is not on the same level as we are. He is high, he is exalted. And the train of his robe, it says, fills the temple. So for Isaiah, Isaiah is seeing this vision of the temple, which the temple was the most holy place that they could imagine. So in the middle of the holy land, you have this holy building that was set apart for worship. And so the temple was about four or five stories tall. It was, it was pretty imposing. It would, it would have been one of the most imposing buildings there in that, that area. And it was, it was considered set apart and sacred. And so Isaiah is seeing this temple, which he reveres the building itself and what it stands for, but beyond the temple, we have God's, the hem, notice it's the train of his robe that's filling the temple. So in other words, God cannot be contained in this temple. It's not big enough for him to fit in. The only thing that fits into the temple is the train, the hem of his robe. That's how big he is. That's how high and lifted up he is. And the timing of this is very significant. Because if you notice there in verse 1, it starts with, in the year that King Uzziah died. Just a snapshot of King Uzziah. King, king Uzziah was the greatest king of Judah since David and Solomon. Uzziah reigned for 50 years, over 50 years, and so a lifetime for most people. They had never known any other king. He defeated the enemies of, of Judah. He built up the, the city of Jerusalem. He brought all kinds of of really positive things. He didn't end super well. His story didn't end as well as it played out, but he he was a much beloved king. And when he died, no doubt the people of Judah and probably Isaiah himself were thinking, what now? What happens next? Anytime, if, if you've got somebody who is a great leader in your company or a family patriarch or matriarch, somebody that you look to and they've been the rock solid and they pass away, then we ask the question, what now? What happens? And it's significant, I think, that it is in the year that King Uzziah died that, that Isaiah gets this vision 
Because sometimes God knocks the props out from under us because he wants to show us a bigger vision of who he is. Because we human beings tend to rely too much on other human beings and sometimes even institutions, and we can put our faith in those things. And sometimes God wants to knock those out from under us, and then he says, now let me show you who I am. If if you're asking the question, what happens now? The answer is, I'm still here, I'm still large, I'm still in charge, I'm still holy. So in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah sees God holy, lifted up. He sees this vision of his holiness. So once Isaiah sees God's holiness, it exposes his own lack of holiness. Look at verse 5. This is his response. I said, woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the king. It's not King Uzziah anymore. This is the king, the Lord of hosts. One of of two things happens when we catch a glimpse of the holiness of God. What often happens is we run. Because we, we don't like that feeling of I'm less than. It, it exposes our inadequacy. And so a lot of times we run away because we don't want to be faced with the holiness and the perfection of God. What Isaiah does here and what, what Mo- Moses did a couple of weeks ago, if you were here, and, and God said, I'm going to cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you. When Moses gets this picture of God, what did he do? He fell in worship. So we can, when, when we're, exposed to the holiness of God, we can run or we can fall. So don't run away, stay there, stay in his presence. It's uncomfortable because we recognize our lack of holiness is exposed, but we can fall in humility as Isaiah does and says, woe is me. It doesn't say he fell on his knees, but he fell in his spirit. He recognizes I do not measure up and I need help. So it opens us then to God's provision of holiness because none of us can, can be in God's presence if, if we are not holy. So in verse six, it says, one of the seraphim flew to me having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for So for us to be in the presence of a holy God, we can't come into his presence, be in his presence with sin. There has to be atonement and cleansing for that. And the picture here is that his his lips get atoned for. And I think that's a a picture of something bigger going on there. Um, Jesus said that our, our lips, what we speak, really reflects what's in our heart. He said in Matthew chapter 12, He said, how can you speak good when you are evil for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks? So in some ways, our our mouth is kind of a a picture of whatever's going on in our heart. But I think even broader than that, I think maybe the reason why Isaiah's fixated on lips, notice in verse five, he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Isaiah's calling is going to have to do all with his lips. It's gonna have to do with speaking. That's kind of his focus. And so God is able to cleanse whatever it is in in our lives and to atone for our sin, as in verse 7, your sin needs to be 
atoned for. So when we, when we recognize our lack of holiness, God is able to provide for our holiness. That's what he has done for us, not through a, a coal touching us, but through the sacrifice of Christ on, on our behalf. Romans chapter 3 says that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That, that's our recognition that he is holy and high and lifted up and we do not measure up and we're in trouble apart from help. But here's the help. We are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. See, here's the, the, the good news is that the God who is high and lifted up lowered himself to become one of us. I referred to that song, one of us. God did become one of us. And he walked around in the person of, of Jesus Christ. He took, on, he took on flesh, so he looked like we look, but he stayed other than in the way he conducted him, himself. So he remained holy through his life, other than, so that he could offer his perfect life as a sacrifice in place of yours and my imperfect life so that we could be atoned for, so that we have the opportunity to stand in the presence of of a holy God. Please understand that your ability to stand and, and stay in the presence of a holy God doesn't come from anything that you do. It comes from what Jesus did for us. And so because Jesus cleanses us and gives us the opportunity to become holy, he calls us then to live a life of holiness as Isaiah gets called to, to serve. So in verse 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. And he said, go. This is the commissioning of, of Isaiah. So we, we talk about at Grace Point that our, our mission is to help more people become fully committed followers of, of Jesus Christ. And what that looks like is encouraging engagement in four different activities, to worship, to connect, to serve, and to share. So, so we're talking about worship this morning, worshiping a holy God. And so that's where it begins. And then the outflow of that is to serve, that God's given something, just like he has had something designed for Isaiah, he has something designed for each one of us. But we can't serve until we've been cleansed, until our sin has been atoned for. That's what makes it possible for us to, to serve. Isaiah was set apart. He was called to be other than the people that he lived with, to call them to being other than. First Peter chapter 1 says, As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. We are called to be other than, not ordinary. So let's be careful here with these, these four steps because it's really easy to get these out of order when we get to the last few. Okay? We, if we start out with a picture of who God is and, and his perfect holiness, which exposes our lack of holiness, what happens oftentimes then is we jump to the last step, which is that we think we have to do something we have to try to live a holy life to try to make God happy with us. And so we try to get busy doing something that we think God expects us to do. And, 
helping someone across the street and giving more money or just trying to pray more or whatever it is. We're, we're trying to make up for that lack because we've gotten a glimpse of God and we recognize I don't measure up, so let me get busy and I'm gonna do something and hopefully God will accept my offering and hopefully he will forgive me and we'll move on from there. But what, if there's anything that we see really clearly in this passage with Isaiah, it is that what, what we do for God has to come after what he does for us. He has to say to us, your sins have been atoned for by something outside of yourself. And that's what Christ provides for us. So in Christ, God came down to be other than so he could call us to be other than, to be different. I love Karen University's slogan, to walk a different path. God calls us to walk a different path. And he calls us to do that because there's, there's way too much ordinary in, in the world. Uh, there are way too many people in the world who are greedy. There is way too much division in our society, I just feel like we keep getting more and more polarized. There's more and more hatred. There's more and more people just lobbing things at, at each other. There, there's um, unforgiveness. I mean, there's, there's way more ordinary than we need in the world. We need something that is other than, and God calls us to be other than, which begins with seeing God's other than-ness. It, it, it begins with seeing God's perfect holiness and let that reveal your lack of holiness. It's okay to recognize you lack holiness. Join the human race, okay? We're all in this together. We are all on the same level. When we see God, we recognize that he is high and lifted up. It's okay to be on the same level because it opens us then to for his provision for our holiness and then we can live out his call to live a life of holiness, of being other than. Because the world needs a lot more other than. As I was working on this message this, this week, I was asking the Lord to just kind of give me an illustration of what other than looks like in real life. I thought about talking about Mother Teresa, and I thought, you know, that's so far beyond us. I thought about talking about the Apostle Paul, that's so far beyond us. And so I was talking with someone this week who shared a story. And so I want to pass this along as an example of everyday other than-ness. Uh, a lady whose, whose mom is, is getting older, needs help, needs assistance in life. She, th this, this daughter is constantly serving her mom. She's taking her to appointments. She's cleaning in her house. She's making her food. She's just she's serving. She's being loving in all these ways. But what she gets back from her mom is... Criticism, pressure, comparison with other siblings who probably aren't doing even as much to serve, serve their mom. And this daughter has a decision to make. Am I going to be ordinary? Am I going to do the natural thing, which is, wow, if you're going to be like that to me, then forget it. Find somebody else to help you. That would be ordinary. Or is she going to do what she has chosen and she says, I'm going to honor my mother 
because that's what God has called me to do. Not so much because my mom maybe has earned it or deserves it. I'm going to honor her because that's what God has called me to do. He's called me to be other than. So I'm going to keep loving her. I'm going to keep serving her. I'm going to keep enduring these negative comments, knowing that um, I answer to someone higher, deriving my sense of, of identity from someone higher. That's, that's living other than. So here's my question to you. You're in some situation in your life that God has called you to that it would be very easy for you to just live that out in an ordinary way and to fall into the typical patterns of the people who are all around you and just respond in the most natural human ways. How is God calling you to be other than in that situation? It may involve forgiveness. It may, be involve, it may involve serving somebody who really doesn't deserve it. It, it, it could involve a lot of things. I want to ask you, as we, we're going to sing in just a moment, and I want to encourage you to, to think about that question in your coming week. What, what is it that God, where is God asking you to be other than? And you may be here this morning, maybe, maybe this whole idea of Jesus providing atonement for you and, and, and living a holy life in your place, maybe that's new for, for you. That that's a step, that's a decision that you need to make before you can move on to a life of holiness. We, we, we can't wake up in the morning and decide, I'm going to live a holy life today on our own. We can't do it from willpower. We've got to have the work of Christ and the power of Christ, the life of Christ in us. So if that's the case for you, then maybe as we sing this song, come, come to the altar. Maybe this is your day to, to come to Christ in your heart. Maybe to come forward, maybe to come forward after the service and talk with one of us, um, he is the one who makes us, makes it possible for us to live a holy other than life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are completely holy other than. Lord, we, we need that hope that someone can be that way because all we see when we look around at our world and, and even at our imperfect um, brothers and sisters that sit in this room, Lord, we, we see a lot of ordinariness because we are human and we're so fallen. But thank you, Lord, that you are far beyond those things. You are high and lifted up. You are exalted. You are other than. And thank you for calling us to follow in your footsteps and making that call possible to carry out because you have atoned for our sins. You have moved us from being guilty to not guilty because of what Christ has done. Jesus, thank you for coming to be one of us and yet in many ways not one of us because you stayed, you lived an other than kind of life and then you call us to follow in those footsteps. Lord, give us strength and perseverance and endurance to, to keep following you and, and being different than the world around us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.